1: welcome back to another edition of the fried egg podcast i am andy johnson i am here today with uh joseph lamagna who is a i guess that you could call him an expert in golf analytics uh, a bright guy with a lot of ideas uh he he wrote an article for the fried egg centered around the schedule uh the pga tour schedule that was released and what he'd like to see from it and i I really liked his thoughts on it and figured it was a good time to talk about the PGA Tour and their response to live and potential ways for them to kind of fight back. Obviously, this is a huge, monumental battle that is going on in professional golf. It is one of the biggest stories in all of sports. You know, I think a lot of talk has been around what the Tour hasn't done. And we wanted to come to the table with some ideas about what the Tour can do to you know, kind of fight off and, and retain its top talent in the coming months. Obviously, there have been a significant amount of players that have gone already. I think there are more that are planning to go. So this was a discussion that was really centered around how does the tour fend it off over the next five years as the battle will be a long and arduous one. Obviously, it's heading to courts. I think we will probably be doing something centered around that. But we also have a Band in Dunes podcast coming up as well as a uh, part two of the Scotland Golf podcast in the in the coming episodes. So should have some variety. Uh, Live is obviously a huge story. And and we want to give that ample coverage as uh, as, as we see kind of a uh, existential Threat to the PGA Tour and and the way they've operated in professional golf. So, without further ado, here is Joseph lemagna and uh, thank you to Joseph for the time and ideas. Joseph, it's uh, it's been a minute. How's how's summer in Austin, Texas? It's hot. Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: Uh, I think I looked at the forecast for this week and it's over 100 degrees every day which has been representative of the entire summer so all good down here in Austin
1: I uh I spent a summer there years ago and I just remember every morning you just wake up it's like six in the morning you walk out and it's like walking into an oven it just it never cools down like you you look for some sort of uh cooler weather you're like oh if I go for a run at 9 p.m it won't be that bad and it's like 90.
0: Yeah, it's it's hot. This is not the best golfing city for for a number of reasons that I'm sure you can speak to better than I can, but temperature is definitely a a big part of that. I don't play at all now, so
1: well, the thing I realized though is like there's a lot of like cool stuff to do down there in the summer. Like it's, it, you know, they have like this concerts in the at Zilker Park, and you know, the, the you got it's an awesome city, obviously. And uh, but one of the things I realized as a Midwesterner is like, you know, you, the con- being conscious of sweating, you get down there, and, and you're just like, you realize, like, oh, everybody's sweating you know so that's just the way of life like if you're outside it's just a you know people are going to be perspiring
0: yeah look austin has been blowing up so we don't need to to give any more reasons for people to move here let's let's uh focus on the negatives
1: you think being comfortable about sweating (laughs) reason for people to move down there
0: i don't know your listeners andy (laughs)
1: <laughs> so we wanted uh, I wanted to bring you on and uh, you wrote an article this week for the Friday uh, about the schedule and uh, kind of how the PGA Tours failed to build a schedule around what's important. And, uh, you know, I'm kind of co-opting your thesis here. I hope I don't butcher it. But the idea of, you know, one of the big issues that the tour illuminated in recent years is their lack of ability to build a schedule. So tell us a little bit about your ideas around the schedule.
0: The central thesis of, of what I was writing on the fried egg and I'd, I'd recommend people read it if it's it'll probably be more organized maybe than I can this discussion than <laughs> this <laughs> discussion right off the top of our heads but um, the, the central thesis of the article was any sports league has to be championship driven. And then you you can interpret the rest of the season through the lens of the championship. So if you have a special championship, then the regular season is elevated because fans understand how that regular season victory or success contributes towards winning a championship. So golf is in a bit of a different position in that the major championships are the pinnacle of the sport, which the PGA Tour does not run, as a lot of people right now are quick to point out on Twitter and, and other <laughs> outlets. I think the PGA Tour has to create a special championship, and then have a schedule that reinforces the integrity of the championship. So there are a lot of issues with the schedule right now. One of them is that you have over forty events, almost all of which are given the same weight. And from a FedEx Cup perspective, it is often in a player's best interest to play in the weakest fields. So the AT and Pebble Beach Pro Am, which often has a really weak field. Like, If your goal is to win the FedEx Cup, you have a better chance of winning by playing that event than something like Riviera. And unfortunately, players cannot play every tournament. So I'm not here for the argument that, well, if, if that's the system, then just play all the events. That's not the way modern sports works. Top athletes cannot tee it up 38 times a year. The the point I was making in the article and that I would reinforce Double Down today is that diminishes the integrity of the Tour Championship if the regular season schedule is set up in a way that doesn't make sense. And it can be gamified, and players are playing the fall swing just to get way ahead. Superstars start their schedules in January and already way behind. It doesn't make any sense. So yeah, the number of solutions here, and I'm interested in getting your thoughts on some of what I proposed, but happy to go into what some of those Solutions could be because again, I don't want to just complain about the job that the PGA Tour has done. Let's offer some solutions.
1: Yeah, and I think I think you you hit on the most easy, the lowest hanging fruit right off the bat is is some sort of schedule reform. And this week, what prompted your article is this week the PGA Tour released their schedule. Now, Jay Monahan was on the record talking about the Live Golf League, the the Saudi Arabian backed, the public investment funded backed. Golf League on the record saying if this is a battle of of just strictly money, we can't win that war. Now, with that in mind, the PGA Tour released a new schedule that has very little changes. Pretty much the same schedule. The big change is centers around money and a small change in the FedEx Cup playoffs, which I think, you know, important to note. I think the change in the FedEx Cup playoffs. Very important. I think that was a good overarching change in cutting down the number of players that actually qualify for the playoffs. That adds some level of significance to the playoffs. I will say that is a good move. Now, where I think your your article illuminates is like not doing anything in the schedule that relays back and relates back to the, to the FedEx Cup. If that's your big thing, that's what FedEx spent what was a billion dollars to sponsor the tour over a number of years this is what they want you know and obviously i think the the constraints of of changing the schedule is then going back to sponsors and saying you know we told you this was an important pga tour event but it's not that important i think that's where the the struggle is but but go into some of your ideas around the schedule on how how to signify importance
0: a couple of things that came up, right, as, as you were saying that. So for one, on the sponsor thing, they've already told sponsors that, right? By, by elevating certain events and keeping some events at the same purse, they're already signaling that to sponsors. So I think some, some feelings can get hurt here in, in the, with, for what's in the best interest long-term for the PGA Tour. Uh, other, other point where I might disagree with you a little bit, I agree cutting down on the number of players who are playoff-eligible from 125 to 70, that's a good move. I think it makes the regular season events more important because it's harder to qualify now. I do not think it makes the playoffs more compelling to watch.
1: I just think it makes the playoffs more relevant in the sense of like it, you know, Brendan on the shotgun start illuminated what Max McGreevy has done this year. <laughs> he's got two top tens. I think they're both at opposite field events and then a T16 and he's on the bubble of making the playoffs. That's, a, that's to me, like when I think about sports and making the playoffs, like, you know, I think in, in the NBA, it gets a little watered down when you get to the eight to 10 seed. Like, do some of those teams deserve to be in? Whatever. But, like, the fact is, like, Max McGreevy being very, you know, and this is not a shot at Max McGreevy. I hear he's a great guy. I really enjoyed watching him at Oklahoma. He had a he had a really good ascent into the PGA Tour. Like, I think he's going to be a very good PGA Tour player one day. But, like, he should be even in consideration of the playoffs at this point. Totally you know, agree. That's what I think. I think just from that standpoint, you have improved the playoffs significantly by not having a bunch of guys that you're like, wait, what has he done all year? Like, I haven't seen him on a leaderboard.
0: (laughs) I agree, but I do not think it makes the playoffs appointment viewing. And the, the playoffs need to be appointment viewing for this to be a special product.
1: Think about like the way playoffs are revered in every other sport. Like, oh, you cannot like think about the way people talk about hockey. You know, that might be the best example is like, I mean, playoff hockey, that's a whole different level of, of competition from regular season hockey. And and this is to your point.
0: That was the whole point of the article I'd written for the fried egg. I think I would take it a step further. The tour championship, in my mind, that should be eight players playing double elimination match play. That's it. Like, <laughs> and, and just to give people an idea of, of maybe what that could look like, I mean, if, if we had eight players... That would currently be in the FedEx Cup standings. Scotty Scheffler, Cam Smith, Sam Burns, Xander Shoffley, Patrick Cantlay, Rory McElroy, Tony Finau, and Justin Thomas playing some version of match play to, to determine who was the champion of the season. Why do you need more players than that to determine who was the best player for the full year? I think that would actually provide a lot of juice. And then and to back that up maybe a little bit further, if you consider that the PJ Tour is like 125, 130, players like that's the core of the tour having eight of 130 is about six percent of the tour like that's the same as other sports having like two out of 30 teams right you have two teams playing for the super bowl either one of them is deserving to be champion and that's why we like the format right same with the nba for the fedex cup playoffs why do you have 30 players playing for the tour championship some of whom are starting 10 shots behind the leader it makes no
1: sense <laughs> well, that's a whole other can of worries. But it matters beaten to death. Yeah, that I mean, the current tour championship I think is is one of the the worst things in all of sports. The worst formats in all of sports is the current tour championship. But you know, any any reform to the tour championship will elevate it from what it is now, which is a net competition that's similar to playing a, you know, a club one day member guest right now. You know, it is it is a joke of a, of a situation. If if you've qualified for the tour championship at this point, how are you not on level footing? How are you conducting a championship where people aren't on level footing and calling it a playoff? You know, that that whole idea is a complete, you know, farce on, on you know, competition and sports in general. I think I, I really like the thing I like about your competition. Now, people will say. If you get to the weekend and it's two people, it's a dud. But I think you have the ability there at that point to have them all play off for, for one through eight. And that's the way. And I think like we see, we've seen the constraints of golf television. One of the things that happens when there's 20 people in the mix on the weekend, golf and CBS and, or NBC, any of them. And, and I understand why it's very difficult to cover that. Like there there that's too many players on a golf course for them to actually cover the shots and keep the storylines going on. Four matches is very feasible. Like that's the other thing that I love about it is from a television product standpoint. TV can very well, uh, convey very well four matches. Like I always think about what's the best what are some of the best days of television for golf? And when you get outside the major championships some of the best television days in my opinion are the round of 16 and the round of eight of the WGC match play that, that is where you really feel like the the 32 the round of third like the round of 64 the ra- ma- now round robin there's too many matches going on. they can't actually build a storyline around it but when it gets condensed down to you know eight four two other two matches, you know I think when it gets down to one it's it's not enough. But when it's when it's four matches, like at the USAM or the WGC match play, they do a great job of showing that television.
0: Yeah, and, and look, the, the argument that, well, Sunday could end up being a dud, I I totally disagree. First off, Sunday now of the Tour Championship could end up being a dud. You have, a, you have players starting at totally different scores. Scotty Scheffler, I mean, he could go into Sunday up five this year. It wouldn't shock anyone. So you want to talk about, setting yourself up to have a dud also I think part of the reason Sunday at the match play can be a dud is what's the significance of winning it, it is a it's a big tournament but it's, if is 100 was,
1: FedEx cup points <laughs> exactly I I mean, in, <laughs> that's that's the significance
0: <laughs> but I think people will say like you're getting distracted like you you keep throwing out all of these random ideas no they all reinforce the same point which is that you have to have a special championship and and then you work your way backwards. Every other event has to reinforce how valuable that is. So if the tour championship is legitimately special now, having two players who are going to start at the same score and play match play with each other for the day on that Sunday, that's a high drama day where you are resetting the score every day. Match play starts, you're all square. You can get duds of, 72 whole stroke play events all the time. And you need to, you need to have a format that's set up for drama. So if you want, I mean, we can also get into some of the ideas for the rest of the schedule, but
1: and one last point, I think one of the things that, that struggled, like the FedEx cup playoffs has struggled with is the idea in, in other playoffs, everybody starts from scratch, but for the players, the players push back. Well, I just had a great regular season. I don't get rewarded, right? This is a good, you know, what you're offering here is a good, you know, compromise in the sense of your regular season matters. It's going to help you get into this final. But once the final starts, everybody there, if it's eight players, if there are eight players, like we could go back and forth right now on Scotty Scheffler season versus Cam Smith's. Right. And Scotty's probably has a better season, but you know, you could put Rory McIlroy, who's what seventh in the FedEx cup standings. As of now? Sixth. Six. You could put him and be like, you know, Rory doesn't have the wins, but the consistency has been off the charts and might be more impressive than Cam Smith's year. Like at this point, at when you get down to eight players, you really feel you could make a case for almost all of them being there. Exactly. And, And and re and from a sense of you have to sell all these ideas to players, right? At that point, when you're selling it to the players. You know, Peter Malnati. You're like Peter. You don't have to worry about this, anyways. You're not getting there, regardless, right? Yeah, that'll, that but argument will with, play well. But but with these eight guys, it's like, hey, when it's down to eight, you really feel like all those guys have a argument to be there, and resetting the decks at zero is is a is something they can all agree upon, right? And I think that's the thing I like the most about it is at some point. In the playoffs, it actually feels like a playoff, a genuine, real, high stakes, win or go home type situation. Not, well, I have this huge lead because of what I did all year. And like at that point, and I think that then relates it back, as you probably were going to say, to the other playoffs rounds and getting into the eight and then also further back into the regular season, making sure you get high up.
0: Exactly. that That's the whole That's the whole point. That's the whole argument I'm trying to make. You have to start with a special championship that actually makes sense. It's hard to get there. And then you work your way backwards. I think an argument against this that you would get is, hey, match plays so high variance. Like this isn't actually going to crown the worthiest champion. That argument is is so bad that I don't even, (laughs) there are a lot of places you could start with it. But the most natural response, in my opinion, is look at baseball. Professional baseball is notoriously high variance. People always say, like, just try to get to the playoffs and then kind of anything can happen in the playoffs. The World Series isn't always going to crown the correct champion. Who complains about the format of the MLB playoffs? Like, that's the only part that people watch.
1: An important thing, a, a parallel is of all the professional other than, you know, all the professional sports leagues, the playoffs in Major League Baseball are the hardest to get to and you would be able to then make a case also with the PGA tour hey to get be one of the top 8 players that make it out of all all of the players on the PGA tour is now the hardest entrant into a playoff into the true playoff of of you know professional you know sports right so it have a similar thing where like sure the MLB playoffs is high variance but getting into the MLB playoffs is actually the lowest variance thing like they you, you they play 162 games so like hey these are the best teams right and and I think that is an important distinction with MLB playoffs right
0: yeah no I, I agree eight players seems like a no-brainer to me it's easier to broadcast it also opens up which courses you can go to right you only have to accommodate eight players uh, there's there are a million reasons to do it I think the fact that we have a tour championship that's at the same golf course in Atlanta every year is just so beyond tone deaf as to what a modern entertainment product is supposed to look like that it it is it is crucial to reform the schedule and I think you have to talk about the tour championship or the playoff system to to even start addressing some of these larger issues but if you want I mean I, I have other ideas for how we can reform the regular schedule the regular season schedule that
1: I'm um, happy to go into as well now for a quick word from our sponsor gooder it is the height of summer right now lots of sunny skies lots of hot weather and uh you know for the last i i lost a pair of sunglasses my daughter broke a pair of sunglasses this summer it's uh you know it's a reminder that sunglasses are are things that are easily damaged lost and and you need to have ample pairs in some cases, so in my 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 walk of life, I need ample pairs. So, Gooder has been tremendous. Uh, they offer wonderful sunglasses that cost twenty five dollars a pair. Uh, I think some are a little bit more than twenty five dollars, but they are affordable. One of the things that I love about that is you can get multiple pairs. Just this last week, I bought two new pairs. I used the promo code TFE. Which gets you fifteen percent off your order, uh, which you know it, it adds up if you get a couple pairs of sunglasses, and uh, they are really high quality shades. They're they are slip. You know they don't bounce on your head, so you can run in them. You can wear them to go play golf. They have lenses that are golf specific in certain pairs, and overall they are really high quality sunglasses for a price that makes sense. You know, twenty five dollars for sunglasses makes sense, and and it allows you to have a bunch of different styles. So I am a huge fan of Gooder. Like I said, I just bought two new pair. Uh, this just this last week, I just got them, um, and I can't. I I they've been a tri- tremendous sponsor of ours so go to their website if you're looking for some new sunglasses at gooder.com that's g-o-o-d-r and use the promo code t-f-e and you will get 15% off your order so that's gooder g-o-o-d-r.com and you will get 15% off your order with the promo code t-f-e one idea i really liked was the idea of of um Events that count for playoffs and events that don't count for playoffs. Why don't you go into that a little bit? And I think this this kind of fits in really well with, with your argument that, hey, every event can't be the same.
0: Exactly. So within that article, I, I basically offered two, two ways that you could reform the regular season schedule that would increase the value of, of the season overall. I think I like the first option better, which is the one that you just highlighted, which is... You designate 10 to 12 regular season tournaments that count for FedEx Cup playoff qualification. They're the only ones that give out FedEx Cup points. Then superstars can set their schedules and know that they're going to play those 10 to 12 events for sure. And then they can pick however many other ones they want. They, they have a lot of flexibility over their schedules to fulfill sponsor obligations, uh, you know, work on the world, official world golf ranking, However, they want to handle those other 30 events is fine, but we're only going to have 10 to 12 that actually count for FedEx cut points. Then, I mean, those events immediately become elevated and people know when they're watching. All right, like you got to step up and play well in this tournament if you want to be the you know, tour champion at the end of the season, right? Riviera, Bay Hill, Memorial sawgrass like highlight those tournaments we'll know they're going to get a strong field and those are the only ones that count towards the playoffs now you're you're looking at a schedule that's very easy for a fan to say what does this tournament mean because we got a simplified playoff structure right hopefully only eight guys going to the tour championship and we know which 10 to 12 events contribute towards qualification for that for those playoffs in in the current state of the schedule it is in your best interests to play in some of the weakest fields as i already mentioned there are 7 events this year between october and november guys don't want to play in those but they know they have to play in them to have a good chance to qualify for the playoffs that completely diminishes the value of the schedule and i will tell you like this is not this is not a uh, me just shooting from the hip here i have specifically told top players like go play in this weak field if if your goal is to to win the FedEx Cup playoffs like you need to be there because those are some of the easiest points you're going to get all year
1: well if you think about it too is like a perfect example of this (laughs) it's Taylor Gooch who is like very he's in this temporary restraining order that it was filed by Liv Golf, right he is like he's kind of like the the player that's the at the the head of this right because he's still 20th in the FedEx Cup he hasn't played on the PGA Tour since May He's, he's been suspended and like, you know, in there are some of the biggest, you know, events of, of the year, you know, he's played the majors obviously, but he did all of this basically, like most of his damage was done against weak, weak fields, you know, like no, nobody's like, Hey, you know what? Taylor Gooch, like, I remember that performance from Riviera. I remember the players, him lighting it up there. No, this was all, this was he, he dominated the fall series. And and against the weakest fields and golf and and now he's 20th in the FedEx Cup and he is like the poster boy for the temporary restraining order against the PGA Tour to allow him to play because it's they're saying it's it's they're withholding his opportunity to get into major championships by not letting him play.
0: Yeah, I'd put this out there. I think maybe back in like, uh, I guess in January on the, on the fall series. There were like 14 players who had already earned enough points that they were going to make it to the playoffs. So you, just like how much that compromises the integrity of the season, I, I think it's hard to even put into words. But but just imagine if the Kansas City Chiefs won their first like their two pre-season. games... preseason.
1: Like their preseason.
0: Imagine if the Kansas City Chiefs won their first two games of the regular season this year, and they were 2-0. And instead of being able to interpret as a fan, like, oh, they're leading their division or co-leading their division. You said, actually some some teams did really well in the preseason so the chiefs the chiefs aren't quite first but don't worry if they have a good regular season they're going to start up 3 to nothing in the super bowl
1: <laughs> like
0: it it's, it makes zero sense and so for when the PGA tour is putting out this schedule this week in the face of this threat from live golf to trot out another fall series with full FedEx Cup points including like the Bermuda championship which has a really weak field it is inconscionable. And I, I just cannot believe that they don't recognize the incentives that this creates for players. And again, some of the players complained about having to play too much. And that's why they left for live. This is an example of why. If if you give up the fall series, you're compromising your chances of winning the playoffs.
1: I think you're, you're getting to the crux, maybe the crux of the PGA Tour's entire issue. Executives. um, and the way the tour has been structured and it, it it makes sense. And this is I think this is important to understand. And this is kind of where my my where I would say what the PGA Tour needs to do in order to fight off live is is paramount. They need a an entire mentality reform. And I think your schedule idea is a great idea, but it 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 won't ever even be able to happen without an entire rewriting of the way the tour operates and the way the tour thinks about its operation. So when, when the tour went from 60 players to 120 exempt player, 125 exempt players, it was because it was in 1982, I want to say. And it was because guys that weren't exempt were having a hard time making a living. Now that is not the case anymore. This is, this is, we've gone way past that. And really since tiger, I think the other thing that's illuminated—they have, I think, forty-seven events. I believe uh, the over the course yeah. over the course of the year, they have forty-seven events. Now, it, when Tiger came on, it became and Tiger started the Tiger schedule. Really, the superstar golfer or the star golfer—not even the superstar—just the top golfer. The way they approach scheduling changed significantly, and the tour has never adjusted for that. So when you think about back in the day with Faldo, Curtis Strange, uh, you know, all those guys, they would play 25 to 30 events a year. Today's top players, Patrick Reed excluded, really play on average, probably like 18 to 22 times a year. And they have not corrected the schedule. When you have big name players playing 30 events a year, 40 to 45 tournaments make sense. That makes sense because you're going to have a big name player in every field based off of when somebody takes a break, wh- where somebody might be from, where somebody you know has ties that lead to them playing in events. So over the course of time, what's happened is that players play less and less. They've added actually added events. So the tour schedule has gotten bigger, but the top players play less and less. So that means that there are more and more events that have extraordinarily weak fields. And what that does at its core is it devalues your brand as a as the PGA tour. And I think one of the things that has happened over time, and it it really goes like I know they think about their brand and their messaging a ton. They switch from these guys are good to live under par. Right. And that that is more than just like an awful ad, but it 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 kind of like represents in a way a bigger thing no longer when i turn on pga tour golf am i guaranteed to see top players these guys are good that that sentiment doesn't really carry as much weight anymore because you know frankly like the last two weeks are great examples with with detroit and minneapolis like there might for a casual fan there might be a player or two that they recognize in that field that they know are are one of the best players in the in the world, and that can't be the case. But they'll be they'll be under par. They will be under par. I guarantee that's but but anyways, so the, the whole crux of this is that the tour is right now by membership. You know, the executives are bonused out by playing opportunities. The key goal of the PGA tour is to provide playing opportunities for its membership. And that can no longer be the case with an existential threat. It particularly, Live, which is targeting the superstars. Their Live's business model is saying, you know what? Who, you know who doesn't matter? Number seventy-five to one twenty-five on the FedEx Cup. What matters are people with brand names, people that have built up that right that casual fans know. And and people look at the Live list and they say, you know what? Like. Henrik Stenson's over the hill. But guess what? Casual golf fans know who Henrik Stenson is. Charles Howell doesn't matter. Charles Howell has built, play, played on the PGA Tour since Tiger. Like, people know who Charles Howell is. Whether, you know, I don't think Charles Howell was necessarily a good signing for them. But he's recognizable, right? His name is recognizable.
0: I want to hit on that at that point because you're saying executives, their, their compensation is tied to playing opportunities and we need playing opportunities. Look, the the suggestion i'm making that you only have 10 to 12 events that are playoff that that contribute towards playoff points but you keep the rest of the schedule we are actually increasing the number of playing opportunities and and the point that i would that i wanted to make i didn't really have space for it in the article if you have a top player currently who's playing in a tournament that he does not want to be at just because he doesn't want to lose out on fedex cup you know points like let's say like the honda classic or something that's the only reason he's here and you have another player who doesn't have enough status to play in that event, there's a perfect trade to be made here, right? Like that player doesn't, the elite player doesn't want to be there. The the player who's up and coming does want to be there. You know, there's an inefficiency. Let's solve that. Let's, you know, bridge that gap by having a schedule that explicitly allows for that. So I think my suggestion in cutting down the number of events that matter is maximizing playing opportunities.
1: Yeah, I, and I, I completely agree. Like, I, this is why I, I preface it with, I think this is the easiest fix for them is, is, to, is to look at the schedule. Where I would be focusing is much more holistically. It would be a drastic overhaul and, and probably far more unlikely because I think what you're hitting on is important and really the thesis of me, of, of what I think the tour needs to do centers around a lot of what you're hitting on. And I think the tour mentality and their goal objective has been around like, all right, we have the players, we have the FedEx Cup, and we have a few other events. But how do we create 38 uh, Travelers Championships? How do we create 38, you know, waste managements like the really successful non-huge tournaments? How do we do that? How do we replicate that and scale that business is really, I believe, how they've gone about thinking about that and that's too small that's small thinking how do we put on mediocre golf tournaments is what they've effectively been you know incentivized to do versus i think what what their mentality what their goals should center around is how do we put on 15 to 20 players championships a year that's high that's high (laughs) well and that's what what how you fight back live, right? You have a big purse, but you have ultra competition. It is very, it, you know, you retain the meritocracy argument, but you also have huge tournaments. Much They aren't going to be majors, but when I turn on the television, I know that this is a great tournament and that I need to watch this. And you and know what it means. that's what they really, yes.
0: Right, and you know what it means. You know that winning this increases the chance that you're in the final eight at the end of the year. So if I were going to nitpick anything you said or or just disagree, I think it would be, my goal wouldn't be to have 15 to 20 players championships. My goal would be to highlight the most talented superstars in the world, star build them and put on 10 to 15 excellent shows for the year. (laughs) Like one kind of off the wall idea that I've been throwing out for years now. Would it kill you to try an all-star weekend? Like, I want to see the top 12 players in the world in these sponsored skills challenges where you can the corporate sponsorships would be so easy to sell here and pay the heck out of these guys to show up. Like there there's an issue here that the top players in the world aren't compensated enough. Here's an in, here's an inventive solution, like give them a ton of money to do genuinely cool skills challenges on primetime television and if that means that you have to kick a Honda classic or a rocket mortgage to the side for a weekend.
1: Is that the end of the world? Like can we try something new? Well, the other thing I like about about when you cut down the tournaments that matter. When you cut down the qualification tournaments, right? You're going to have your natural events that you want to you want to throw sugar at, right? You, your Riviera, your Memorial, your your Players Championship. But the thing is, you're going to have like 6 to 8 events that you could rotate around sure so that like sponsors don't feel left out in the dust guess what john deere this is your year you get it once every 5 years you get one of the fedex and and guess what the quad cities get a you know great show once every 5 years it is the you know it's the talk of the town and it elevates it to a level that it would never reach you know you see though like and that's the other benefit of of what you're proposing and i think like i one thing i wanted to talk about was the idea of contracts and i think you just hit on with the skills like there's a problem these players are underpaid and the average players are probably overpaid but the tour is 1.5 billion dollar organization on an annual basis in terms of revenue now they have money like The issue, I think, like, and people have proposed, well, they should get in the contract game right now. My my crux to that would be, you know what? You can't get into the contract game now until you clean up your operation Um, because they they spend way too much money on things that don't matter in order to offer contracts that actually have some significance and can not. I don't. And I think this is an important thing in terms of live. The numbers don't need to be equal to live. They need to be somewhat representative of, of, of value. And because none of these guys, I, I don't care who you are. I don't think any of them, if it was remotely close to equal, would choose to play for, for live in Saudi in the public investment fund of Saudi Arabia over the PGA Tour. The the organization that built their stardom, but the problem is it's not even close right now. And you know, I was thinking about like when when people started talking about oh, the tour needs to give out guaranteed contracts. I was like, well, what would a contract look like for the PGA Tour right now? And I thought about it. I was like, well, let's look at the PIP. They they associated forty million dollars to the PIP. That was a huge outlay for them, a massive outlay. And it's like so. If they gave Jordan Spieth a five-year, $40 million contract, what was Saudi so great? I mean, he'd look at it and laugh. He'd be like, they just offered me $300 million for four years. Like, they aren't apples to apples. And what's required of the tour to get to the point where they can offer contracts that actually have some associated value to the big-name players, the people that you want to make bets on, is you need to clean up. Like, why does the tour have the champions tour that's a perpetual loser on the balance sheet that that takes up tour that takes up tv time you could they gave them the champions tour over having the corn fairy tour just like strategically a terrible decision because you control you as the tour i think the corn fairy tour is an important important asset that they have they control where the talent comes up to live is going to make, be able to make a few bets on say the top 20 amateurs every year. They might make two bets. The tour gets 18 bets out of those 20 like the, you know, the live's going to throw cash at a couple guys. But the thing with golf is it's extremely unpredictable, which of those 20 guys is going to hit and the tour because they have the, the, the feeder program, has the ability to own that. But that being said, do they need Latin America? Do they need Canada? You know, those are losers. You're starting to get to the
0: part of the argument that I would probably focus on. Um so to the whole contract discussion, I don't feel necessarily that strongly one way or another. I'm pretty against it. I think the main issue that a lot of players voice is they spend a lot of money on traveling. Like if they have a really bad year, they may end up not making any money or losing money. There's another solution for that, which is the stipend that they're already doing. Which, if you play a certain number of events, will give you 50 grand or 100 grand. That should cover your travel. Like I, I actually think that solves most of that issue. To the point of, well, what about contracts? I'm I'm very against multi-year contracts. If you want to give us a, a certain amount of guaranteed money for one year, which is basically the stipend I'm describing, fine. But I think one of the best parts about the PGA Tour. One of the most essential ingredients is mobility. and that is what you're, that is what you are getting to with uh, you know, are you only making two bets versus eighteen bets? There should be a constant battle for status. That's what makes competition exciting. and it, it is already coming back to bite live, that they are an isolated entity where those players are locked into long contracts as their official world golf ranking gets detonated. Mobility is a really important part of golf, and I think any healthy tour, has a place within the broader infrastructure in the game. So you can understand how these players are moving around tours. Multi-year guarantee contracts. It it takes the pressure off the player in a way that I would not want to see. You don't want to give Jordan Spieth a four-year, hundred million dollar contract. He starts playing badly, but he still gets spots in all the top events. That's not how it should work.
1: Yeah. And that's been a huge problem. And I think like it gets to the root of, of how the tour fights back. They cannot fight on dollars. What they can fight on is having the most competitive tour. And I think, like, I've said this before, there are two things that golfers, the high-level golfers care the most about. It's A, making money, but B, and maybe more so than A, if the money's, you know, not that, you know, if they're, you're still offering life-changing money, you're, you're offering, as Rory said, I can live however it doesn't make a difference. You know, John Rahm's talked about, it. he does not have as much money as Rory. He's talked about, like, Would my life change if if with 400 more million dollars? No, it wouldn't. Now, what you're offering is a platform to be and to beat the best golfers in the world, which at at its core, to ascend to the top, very top tier of professional golf, you have to be a crazy competitive individual. And that really carries weight. And I don't think... I think that that gets lost. And that's when I actually the most frustrating thing for me with the PGA Tours response is they talk about how they can't compete on dollars. And yet everything they've done has been centered around trying to compete on dollars and not increasing the competition of your tour. A pr- you know, and I have beaten this drum to death. But every single year we see these guys come up from the Corn Ferry Tour, Cameron Young, the Gala this year are perfect examples and immediately are within the top 50 players on the PGA Tour. Like Cameron Young is one of the 20 best players on the Tour. Yes. What was he doing, toiling on the Corn Ferry Tour after we saw him win back to back weeks? He won back to back weeks on the Corn Ferry. At that moment, you that should signal you know what? This guy is a PGA Tour player. Bring him up. You know, like we live in 2020, 2022 there there's no need for a season long thing. Like the, the bottom of the PGA tour, the top of the corn Ferry tour should be constantly in flux. They should be moving back and forth spots in these. If, if you move to your schedule where you have FedEx cup qualifying positions, like qualifying tournaments, like where the points are available, the back, the back half of that field outside of maybe the top 50 guys in the, in the world, should all be filled by who's been playing the best golf over the last six months, not who, you know, won a tournament 18 months ago and hasn't been relevant since, which is currently the way it works. It is, it is an antiquated system that hasn't been updated since the eighties. I mean, like think about the way the world's changed. Like, how do you get your information? You know, people used to open their newspaper on Monday morning and check golf, golf resort uh, results like there weren't computers when the system was kind of created, thought, born out and thought out like this is it's just absolutely insane. You know, it would be like saying to a a baseball team, you can't call up the guy hitting 450 in triple a that's been there for three months that you just drafted because you know what he's got to play a full season in the minors like it is absolutely banana land and this year you know we say cam young sahith Gala. you know the year a couple years before that it was scotty scheffler sung jm went wire to wires the money leader and in core ferry tour immediately was one of the 20 best players on the pga gotta score. bring up
0: Zalatoris, right
1: yeah zella didn't was 13th in the FedEx cup standings, but didn't qualify because of some stupid rule, you know, last year for the playoffs, you know, he would have been 13th heading into the five into the playoffs, but he didn't qualify because he didn't win on the PGA tour. Like these are just crazy, antiquated, idiotic rules for the modern generation. And now this year, a great example is Pearson Cootie. Like you have this great PGA tour. You, program he was a standout at texas he was the number one ranked amateur in the world at one point he is clearly one of the best players in the world he goes down to the corn ferry tour immediately wins i think it was his second start as a professional he wins what is he doing not playing pga tour events at this point he has done more than any you know like you do i don't need to see another shot of of cootie at this point for me to know that he belongs on the PGA tour yet he's not there. And one of the things that this does if you get players up fast that you that have clearly proven themselves is it builds loyalty to your tour, to your platform. And right now like I don't think there's that loyalty because it's like well, like for Z- I, I I mean Torres has pledged his his allegiance to the tour. But if I was Torres, I would be a little bit like, you know what? Like that was pretty silly the last 2 years.
0: So one point that I'd want to make right on top of that is that when you have these weird antiquated rules which are hard to follow, and like why why is Zalatoris not playing in the playoffs? Not only does it rub players the wrong way, but it it goes back to the central argument that I'm making. It it makes watching regular season events harder on the fan to understand. Like what is the significance of this event? I just watched Zalatoris play well all year. What do you mean he's not in the playoffs? Like that diminishes the integrity of the championship at the end which undermines the value of the entire schedule. So I think, Andy, maybe it would be helpful if we've thrown a lot of these ideas around a little bit, like just really simply to outline the exact solution that maybe we're in agreement, we're, we're advocating here. So do you agree that 10 to 12, call it 10 events every year that have FedEx Cup points, so help you qualify for the playoffs, and then a rotating, call it four to five, six events Around the country, preferably around the world, that also give FedEx Cup playoffs points. So the top players in the world will play those. And then you have a condensed playoffs, you know, hopefully the tour championships only like eight guys. I mean, is that the bones of the tour that you agree with?
1: Yeah, I think like that's the thing that has to happen is like right now you have a product and people will say, well, like you're just going to cannibalize the rest of the event. You're going to kill them. They already are. And, right. Yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> it's like if you're a casual, like in a way, what this would do is it would create more events that the casual fan would tune into because they would know that the best players in the world are there and that it really matters right now. None of them matter because all of them matter in a way. Does that make sense? Like if if every event matters, none of them actually matter. And,
0: and it's, it's much it's much bigger than that it, not only is the system bad it creates bad incentives which are literally to play in the weakest events if you want to be the FedEx Cup champion that it's worse than just being too many events it's it's a system of bad incentives and that, that matters that it's part of the reason those players are leaving
1: didn't you tweet or write about how if you actually wanted to win the FedEx Cup you would bypass majors and play in opposite field events the week of the majors i
0: didn't i didn't write that specifically there was a a data golf tweet that you're better off playing in the Barbasol over over the scottish open which is i i mean i found my numbers are like almost identical to what theirs are on that trade-off it but it's i think what's worse not necessarily skipping a bad event but you're signaling to a player hey you gotta play the fall series and i know they're getting rid of it but not this year when
1: it mattered the most I think that's the most disappointing thing about the schedule is you are you are literally facing the biggest threat that you've ever done. And you have You cannot rock the boat. The thing is, is like as of March, Jay Monahan had declared live dead. And look where we are now. If you give them another calendar year of momentum without a real, you know, a real pushback, what what are we doing? Because it's just gonna push them more. And and here's the thing. Live has money, but they have, as we've illuminated, a ton of flaws. There are huge titanic issues with the tour that would dissuade top players from going because the money is unbelievable. But in terms of providing a competitive environment, which is very, which is the lifeblood of professional golf, it is it is very poor. It, those are where all the issues are so if you're the tour you have to push on that you have to push on their weakness do not try and fight their strength which is what they're cons- seemingly trying to do we're going to fight their strength with our weakness that they've, they've illuminated and we're going not going to take advantage of their weakness so with this system outlaying it like it is you know fewer events that qualify you for the playoffs, creating something special with the playoffs, which has been a issue, you know, that keeps FedEx happy. That, that, that's important at this point. Right.
0: Right. Right. And look, I, I can already see the people replying on Twitter that all we do is complain. Like, (laughs) I feel like I can see their, their Twitter avatars. Like one's a a Pittsburgh pirates logo. (laughs) One's a DFS winner, but (laughs) 6 months from now <laughs> i think those people will look back on what happened this week and the failure to create a, a new schedule or anything fresh and realize like we we didn't try anything like they didn't try anything new nothing but what we're what we're outlining here like abolishing the fall series only 10 events that matter now it's clear what the playoffs mean what the tour championship means there's a clear through line throughout the you build these storylines throughout the year you understand where these guys are in the standings it would solve a lot of the tours issues it's still a battle with live yeah even if you do this like we'll see what wins but that's that's the way that in my opinion you have you give yourself
1: the best chance to succeed when you go to this 10 events then all the other events you can you you will still get top players playing in those events because of personal ties, sponsorship ties, all sorts of things. But most importantly, with those events, what those events need to be is a mixture of the top PGA Tour players with the top Corn Fairy Tour players. They cannot, they, they absolutely 100% cannot be the way they feel, fill fields now. That's the other thing, the big crux of what I would say is that the, the bottom of the tour, the top of the Corn Fairy Tour needs to be effectively the same thing. And it's going to make the Corn Fairy Tour better. It's going to prop up. There's going to be more interest in Corn Fairy Tour events because it's like, oh, this guy qualified up. He's going up. This is a rising star. This is somebody to watch. You know, it's going to give the announcers so much more ammo than them talking about, you know, hey, you know, hey, Tim Heron's in the field this week. You know, Tim's out there. He's uh you know, he's been spending a lot of time fishing and, uh, you know, he's uh, he's been spending time with his family and, and he got the call this week. Instead, it's like, hey, you know, here's uh, here's Pearson Cootie. This guy is somebody to watch like that gets somebody excited
0: and there's money, right? Like it's an issue. Up and coming players have to raise a lot of money to, to be able to even travel and play a corn fairy tour full schedule this is also solving for that. Like Those events are going to pay out a significant amount of money and you're giving them access to that earlier. Like It feels like a no-brainer to me. But again, as you're alluding to, some of the decision makers, it's not necessarily in their best interest to sign off on something like this, which is, again, an incentive issue.
1: I think the old guard, here's the thing. Here's the risk, right? The old guard would say, we're not changing our tour that way. I've earned what I get because this is the way that it's been. And, and, and now the flip side, the counter argument to that at this point is you have to change or what you have now will never exist again. Correct. Because this tour is coming for... It, it, I don't think sitting down and merging is an option for either tour. I think there are
0: paths on the merging solution. I, I don't know that it's great, but I, I fully agree with you that that is the argument you have to make this tour will not exist if you don't adapt and i'm sorry some feelings are going to get hurt but sometimes feelings get hurt <laughs> like that's to make a, a prudent business decision that upsets a few people like that's kind of what leadership is about so i'd love to see some of these top players advocating for themselves right rory jt some of these guys who kind of carry the mantle for the tour like this is what we're doing and not everyone's going to like it
1: and i and i think the other thing people will say is the tour just doesn't have the money to compete They have a lot of money. They can compete, but they misallocate their money. And that's the issue is that the spend, they spend a lot of money in areas that they don't need to spend money in. And one of the things that Liv has a huge advantage of is like, I don't know exactly how many employees Liv has, but it can't be more than 50. And it shows in some areas. But guess what? You're conducting golf tournaments. You don't need a huge staff to do that. This is a golf tour at the at the core basis and when you're facing an existential threat you need to really focus in on what matters for our business and what do we need to operate our business
0: right and again should be called out live has done a lot of things really well They've also done some things incorrectly, and they are facing a crisis right now with official world golf rankings points. Yes. It is a serious issue. The, the, the tour, like this is a great time to pounce, and this was your opportunity to put out a schedule that was different, that addressed some of these concerns, and you did nothing. that That's what needs to be called out. that That is what I'm calling out. This has not been an issue for the last two months. This has been an issue for years, and they have not innovated. It, it's not playing Monday morning quarterback to... to be critical of what the PGA tour did this week.
1: All right. I think we, we covered a lot of ground. I think there are, you know, for all the people that, that, that say to me, you're, you're, I think we've laid out some very clear ways that the tour can fight back and some solutions. I don't think that they will like a lot of them, but I, like you said, I think this is on really the top players. It's on people like Tiger Woods. It's on people like Rory McIlroy. It's on Justin Thomas it's on all the top players of the PGA tour to say you know what this is not the direction that we can go i know this is the this is the tour that davis love built this is the tour that you built but this is an our tour and it's our tour now you know that's i think the the direction it has to go and uh hopefully it happens
0: yeah last last message i think i would want to leave is no matter how much money you have no matter which players you have ultimately a good product is what wins like everyone's attention span is an independent contractor like the best product will win here that's what the battle is for so go create the best product it's not, nothing else really matters go create a good product
1: all right joseph thank you so much uh your articles on the fried egg but people could also uh read your substack which goes out you know semi regularly a- a couple times a month, it's uh, finding the edge, and it is a, it's a must read. I read it every time it hits my inbox. So thank you for putting that great free content out. And then uh, if anybody is a up and coming player, any type of competitive player, you do do some uh, analytics and strategy work. So that's an important thing. Uh, if somebody could, re- how can people reach you if they're looking to for any of that?
0: Um, yeah, you can find me on Twitter. At Joseph Lamagna, L A M A G N A. So, yeah, if you want your schedule optimized and go pick off some easy FedEx cut points, let me know. <laughs> All right, thanks.
1: And uh, we'll talk to you soon.
0: It <laughs> sounds good. Thanks, Andy. Thanks for having
1: me. Today's episode was edited by Garrett Morrison. Thank you, Garrett. Meg's on vacation. Garrett's picking up some slack here. As a reminder, we have been putting a lot of great content into the Friday newsletter. It's been having writing, obviously, always by Will Knights, who does a terrific job with the newsletter. But Brendan poor ass, been writing in it. I've been writing in it. Garrett's been writing in it. Meg's been writing in it. And, you know, we're trying to add more and more Thoughts and tidbits into that newsletter. Uh, you know, that would normally have been website posts. So it's it's got a little bit more meat in those newsletters. They're they're sent out every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. They are free. So there's no reason not to sign up for it. So go to the There's a uh, sign-up bar right there, enter your email, and uh, thank you so much for listening to the Fried Egg Podcast. We will be back on Tuesday. <laughs> back.